chapter 1, 2 Timothy chapter number 1, and we'll begin reading in verse number 1. We just kind of began our study through the book of 2 Timothy here last week, and uh, we revealed our theme uh, two weeks ago, uh, theme continue, uh, taken here from 2 Timothy chapter 3, and verse number 14, but as we're beginning our series through this book, we'll begin reading in verse number 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. Father, we do thank you for your word. And we thank you for your love for us, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing uh, there in, in Bali uh, through the church and the radio ministry. God, we ask you to just continue to bless and uh, thank you for all those who have a part in giving so that the gospel can go out. But Lord, I pray now that as we open your word this morning, you'd use it to speak to our hearts and uh, Lord, help us to draw closer to you. And Lord, may we be obedient to what you'd have for us uh, this morning in your word and speak to our hearts, Lord. We do pray that if maybe there's somebody that may not know Christ as their savior, that they would understand their need of Jesus Christ and be willing to put their faith and trust in him today. Lord, just bless now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to draw your attention to verse number three. Obviously, we kind of looked at verses one and two last week, but this is kind of running together here. Again, remember, Paul is, is sitting in a Roman prison cell. He is, this is his second time in Rome that he has been in prison and he knows that this is basically the end of his life. He knows that his life is coming to an end. Uh, he doesn't know how soon it's going to be, but he knows that very soon uh, he is going to die. Um, and, of course, he's sitting here. This is the final letter that Paul writes, this uh, second uh, letter to Timothy. It's the last uh, words that we find from the Apostle Paul. And he's writing to his son in the faith, to Timothy. He says, my dearly beloved son. And so we kind of looked at Paul last week, and, and he talks about that in verse number one, an apostle of Jesus Christ, and by the will of God, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus. But in verse number three, Paul makes a statement that I believe can easily be read over without giving much thought to what he says. In verse number three, he says, I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. I want you to notice in the middle of this verse, he says, I serve, he says, I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers. And notice this phrase, with pure conscience. With pure conscience. Paul is saying, I have served God with a pure conscience. With a pure conscience. Now, what, what does that mean? What is Paul saying when he says, I've served God with a pure conscience. Now, obviously, we understand, if you know about Paul's life and ministry, you know at the beginning of Paul's kind of what we would say ministry, uh, he was a persecutor of the church, right? He was the one that was persecuting the church. He was not a Christian, and so he was persecuting the church, and uh, he was there when Stephen was stoned to death in Acts chapter 7, and of course, he's persecuting the church, and the church is being scattered because of the, the persecution that he's bringing, and so uh, Paul was not really what we would say a, a nice guy when we're thinking about the church. But then in Acts chapter 9, Paul uh, meets the Lord Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus and he gets saved and God changes his life. And now he is the, what we'd say, the Apostle Paul. 
And from that point on, Paul just begins serving the Lord with, with all of his heart. But he says, I have served the Lord with a pure conscience. What does it mean to serve God with a pure conscience? Does it mean that he was perfect? From the time that Paul got saved on the road to Damascus till the time that he's going to be put to death or when he's writing this, was Paul saying, I have lived a perfect life? (laughs) No. I mean, if you read Paul's letters, you understand Paul was not perfect. So it's not, he's not meaning that he was perfect. That doesn't mean that he never made a mistake. Well, no. It doesn't mean that Paul never made a mistake. And, of course, again, when we read the Scriptures, we understand that Paul says, hey, the things that I don't want to do, I find myself doing, and the things that I do know that I should do, I don't do those things. So Paul's not saying that he's never made a mistake. So what is Paul saying when he says that he has served God with a pure conscience. I believe what Paul is saying in essence is that he lived his life serving God in such a way that there were no regrets. No regrets. Now again, I'm not saying he was perfect. I'm not saying he never made a mistake. But he lived his life with no regrets. In other words... He never questioned his life, the purpose and calling that God had for him. We saw that earlier in verse number one. He says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. There's never one time when you're going to find where Paul tries to deny and say, no, 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 uh, you know, that, that apostleship thing, you know, uh, it started, but, you know, I, I don't think I want that anymore. No. He never questioned the purpose and calling that God had for him. He wasn't looking for a way out. And when we read through the books that Paul writes and we we study his life, we find that Paul's life was not the easiest life. I know many times people think, well, if if you're saved, if you come to to Jesus, then everything is just going to be perfect. That's not true. That's not true at all. It doesn't mean that you're never going to have any problems. It doesn't mean that life is just going to be a bed of roses. No, there's going to be difficulties. There's going to be problems that come. Paul knew that very well. But he wasn't trying to find a way out. He wasn't looking for the out. He wasn't complaining. And again, (laughs) if somebody had the opportunity to complain, I think it would have been Paul. You think about all the things that he went through. He says, five times I was beaten with stripes, whipped five times, the cat of nine tails. Three times he was beaten with rods. All the times that he was in prison. All the times that he was in the stocks. I think if anybody had an opportunity to complain, it would have been Paul. But he didn't complain. And he wasn't going to quit. Again, if anybody had an opportunity to quit, it would have been Paul. All the things that he went through. But yet he wouldn't quit. You read every letter that he writes, and I can tell you what you will not find. You won't find poor me. 
You're not going to find, feel sorry for me. You're not going to find, why is God making me go through this? God must not love me anymore. You're not going to find that in his writings. Now, you're going to find difficulties. You're going to find persecution. You're going to find those things. But you're not going to find a poor me. Feel sorry for me. I've got it so bad. You're not going to find it. And let's, let's be honest. <laughs> Complaining, looking for ways out, murmuring, poor me. That's hard not to do. Right? I mean, we have, we have not, not one person in here, I believe, has experienced even one-tenth of what the Apostle Paul went through. But we don't have any problem trying to find ways to say, poor me. Oh, man, look at what I have to go through. Look at all the problems that I'm facing. Why God just must not love. I mean, we're constantly, we're constantly complaining, murmuring, and griping. And yet, Paul, through all of this, says, I have served God with a pure conscience. What does it take to live for God with no regrets? Think about that for a moment. What does it take to live for God to be able to, at the end of your life, say, I have no regrets? I mean, because let's face it, we all have regrets in life, right? I mean, if, if we handed a microphone to every person here, there's no doubt every person could stand up and say, well, there, there's something in my life that I regret doing. There's something in my life I regret saying. There's some place in my life I regret. I mean, we would all say that we have regrets, every one of us, there, that we have some type of regrets. And yet Paul says, I've served God with a pure conscience. No regrets. So what does it take to live a life for God with no regrets? Paul's not just speaking from experience as he has faithfully served the Lord for these about 30 years now. Now sitting in a Roman prison awaiting execution. He's not just speaking from experience, but he's also praying that these same things would be in Timothy. He's praying that Timothy would live his life for God with no regrets. He's praying that Timothy would continue and be faithful in all that he does and say, Timothy, hey, by the end of your life, I want you to be able to say the same thing, that you've lived your life, you've served God with a pure conscience, no regrets. You say, Pastor, I don't know if that's possible. Is it really possible to live our life with no regrets? Paul says he did. Yeah, but pastor, I've made mistakes. So did Paul. Pastor, man, I know there's been times when I've failed the Lord. So did Paul. And yet Paul says, I have served God with a pure conscience. No regrets. Now, again, that, that doesn't seem like it goes together. Wait, I've made mistakes and I've messed up, but yet I can be able to say that I've, I, I've served God with no regrets? Yes. How? 
That's what I was wondering. Paul, how were, you, how were you able to say this? How were you able to say, I've served from my forefathers with pure conscience? He says, I've served God with a pure conscience. No regrets. So that at the end of his life, if you read later in, in, in 2 Timothy, he says, I am now ready to be offered the, the, my departures at hand. I know I'm going to die, and I'm ready for it. No regrets. Notice what he says here. To Timothy, my dear beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Friend, do you understand? This is not just a greeting. We look at this, we think, oh, Paul's just giving a, a salutation. He's just, it's like he's just saying hello. No, 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 no. Paul's not just saying hello. Paul's not just giving a greeting. Paul is saying, Timothy, this is what you need. Timothy, before we get into anything else, let me tell you something. If you're going to be able to live your life the way that God wants you to live it so that at the end of your life you can say, hey, I've lived with no regrets, he's saying there's several things that you need. In fact, he lists them. There's three. Very simple. Grace, mercy, and peace. Can I tell you this morning, if you want to be able to live your life in serving God in such a way that at the end of your life, like Paul, you're able to say, hey, I have served God with a pure conscience, no regrets. Not saying I didn't mess up. Not saying I didn't make a mistake. But no, I can be able to say, hey, I have served God with a pure conscience, no regrets. He says, this is what you need. Paul says, Timothy, this is what I needed. Timothy, this is what you need. And Christian, this morning, can I say, this is what you and I need. Grace, mercy, and peace. Watch this. Notice what he says. Grace. What is grace? Grace. Goodwill, favor, kindness. Those are words that we would use to describe the word grace. But when we think of grace in the Bible and grace coming from God, it is what we call unmerited favor. It is receiving something that we don't deserve. We didn't work for it. We didn't earn it. It's simply offered. It's simply given. It's unmerited favor. And this grace, notice, and again, all three of these, grace, mercy, and peace, and notice where they come from, from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. All three of these things, grace, mercy, and peace, they can only come from God himself. Because God is the only one who is truly gracious. God is the only one who is truly merciful. God is the only one who is truly peace. You look at the world, the world has no idea what these things even mean. And yet Paul is saying, Timothy, if you want to be able to live your life with no regrets, here's what you need. Grace, mercy, and peace. Grace, the unmerited favor of God. It comes from the wisdom of God. God's grace comes from his wisdom. We understand when we think about salvation that God provided a way of salvation for those who are completely and totally unable to save themselves from their sins. We cannot save ourselves. We understand that when Adam and Eve sinned against God that all of mankind was was thrown into a sinful state. Every one of us are born sinners. Every person has a sin nature. 
and there's nothing that you and I can do to redeem ourselves. There's nothing that we can do to save ourselves. Look, maybe you're here this morning thinking, hey, if I go to church enough, maybe God will accept me. Or if I, if I uh, read my Bible enough, maybe God will accept me. Or, or if I get baptized, maybe God will accept me. Or if I, if I be kind to people and I'm a good person, maybe God will accept me. No, friend, that's not grace. That's works. You, you see, you're trying to work for it. You're trying to do something. But grace is the unmerited favor of God. Grace comes from the wisdom of God. He says, look, I know you cannot save yourself. There's nothing you can do to please God that God would say, hey, I'm so proud of you. Let me accept you back. Nothing that we can do. In fact, that's why the Bible tells us in the book of Romans, in chapter 3, in verse number 24, he says, being justified freely by his grace. We cannot earn salvation. We cannot work for salvation. It is by grace. Ephesians 2, 8 says, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Right? God says salvation is by grace. And friend, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, God's grace is being offered to you. He offers salvation freely, the unmerited favor of God. You cannot work for it. You cannot earn it. God simply offers it freely. You have to make a choice. You have to choose whether you will receive it or reject it. Just because something is offered to you doesn't mean that it automatically becomes yours. The only way that it becomes yours is when you accept it and receive it as your own. God's grace is being offered to every single person. For God so loved the world. God's desire is for every single person to come to know Jesus Christ. But friend, you have to make a choice. You can choose whether you're going to trust in a baptism or you're going to trust in a church or whether you're going to trust in your good works or you're going to trust in what grandma says or mom and dad say or you can choose to believe what God says. God says salvation is by grace through faith, nothing more. Jesus said, I am the way. There is no other way. It's only through Jesus Christ. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, friend, can I tell you, God wants you to be saved. And if you're not sure of that, we would love to take the Word of God and show you how you can have God's grace in your life, how you can receive the grace of God. But can I say this morning, we need God's grace more than just in salvation. Remember, Paul is writing to Timothy. Timothy is already a believer. Timothy's already saved. He's already put his faith in Christ. He did that when he was a, a young child, the Bible tells us that. We'll see that next week. He was a young person when he accepted Christ. So then why is Paul saying to Timothy, you need grace? If he's already accepted God's grace and salvation, why does he need grace? Because, friend, grace is more than just about salvation. We need the grace of God, the favor of God in our lives to be able to live for him. We do not have the strength or ability in our lives to live for God. Not one of us do. Not one person who knows Jesus Christ has the strength and the ability in and of themselves to live and serve God the way God wants us to. And can I say this morning, that is why many Christians fail in their walk with God. 
They're trying to do it in their own strength. They're trying to do it in their own ability. Friend, can I tell you what you need? You need the same thing that Paul needed. You need the same thing that Timothy needed. You need the same thing that I need, and it's God's grace. The unmerited favor of God. We need God's grace in our lives because we do not have the strength to live for God. Paul knew he needed God's grace. If you think about what he says there in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, you don't have to turn over there, over there but in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul is, is speaking and he's saying, Lord, I, there's, he said there's three times that this thorn in the flesh that Paul had. He says, three times I asked God to remove this thorn in the flesh. Now again, here's Paul, right, the apostle. And he has a thorn in the flesh. We're not sure exactly what it was, but he's asking God, God, please remove this. God, please remove this. God, please remove this. And you know what God's answer was? No. Wait a minute. I thought if we ask anything of God, no, no, we have to ask according to his will. Paul's saying, Lord, remove this. And God says, no, but watch what he says. Listen to what he says. He says, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said, God said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. You know what he was saying? Paul was saying, God, I don't understand why I have this. And God, I'd really not like to have this anymore. So God, would you remove it? You ever gone through something? You'd say, God, I don't know why I have this. And God, I don't really like it. But Lord, I'd really like for you to remove it. You ever gone through something like that in your life? And God says, no. Why? Why is God saying no? Is it that he doesn't care about us? Is it that he doesn't love us? No, 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 friend, he does. And this is why he says, this is what his answer to Paul was. Paul, God says, no, I'm not going to remove it. But he says, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength, God's strength, is made perfect in weakness. God says, Paul, you know what you need? You need my strength. If you're going to accomplish what I want you to accomplish in life, you can't do it in your own strength. And yes, Paul, I know you're a Pharisee of the Pharisees, and I know you had a great religious upbringing, and I know you were really popular, but Paul, you cannot do it in those things. You need my strength. You need my strength. Because it's not always going to go the way you want it to go, Paul. It's not always going to be the way that you want it to be, Paul. You're not always going to get the answers that you want, Paul. So what are you going to do? You're going to quit? You're going to complain? Are we just going to look for a way out and say, well, if that's the way it's going to be, God, then I'm done? Isn't that how we respond many times? Instead, what we need is God's grace. We need the grace of God. To strengthen us, we need to go to God and say, God, I know I'm weak and and I cannot do this on my own. Paul understood that. He knew Timothy would need that same grace. He knew Timothy struggled just like Paul struggled, just like you and I struggled. He says, hey, friend, let me tell you something. If you're really going to be able to serve God the way that God wants you to and to be able to say at the end of your life, hey, I serve God with a pure conscience, no regrets, he says, you need God's grace. When you have God's grace, hey, it doesn't mean everything's going to go perfect. It doesn't mean there aren't going to be problems in your life, but God says, my grace will be sufficient. God says, I'll be right there with you. Think about where Paul is sitting right now. 
in a Roman cell waiting for his death. You don't think Paul may have needed a little bit of God's grace at this time? You don't think Paul may have needed a little bit of God's grace when he's sitting in, in Philippi, in jail, and in stocks? You don't think Paul may have needed a little bit of God's grace when he was going through some of the problems? But Frank, can I tell you, it's not just when we're going through problems that we need God's grace. We need his grace every day. We have to go to God every day and say, God, I can't live this day without you. I need your grace. I need your favor. I need your strength. God, I need you in everything that I'm going to do today, whether it's going to work and dealing with my coworkers or whether it's with my family and leading my family right or it's around my friends. God, I need your grace today to be what you want me to be. Paul says, Timothy, you need God's grace. If you're going to have no regrets, you need the grace of God. But he says, secondly, we need mercy. We need mercy. What is mercy? Mercy is defined as pity or compassion. But it's so much more than that. Because mercy comes from the love of God. Aren't you thankful for God's mercy? You see, mercy... Let me just step back a moment here. Grace is receiving what we don't deserve. Not one of us deserves salvation, and yet God offers it freely. Thank God for that. Amen. We're thankful for God's grace. But mercy is not receiving what we do deserve. That's what mercy is. Mercy, in in God's mercy, it's not receiving what we justly deserve. Do you understand? Because we are sinners, every one of us deserve to die and go to hell. That's what we deserve. You say, well, I don't like that. Well, friend, I'm not here to tell you what you should like or what you shouldn't like. I'm just here to tell you what God says. God says every one of us as sinners, if we die, we deserve to die and spend eternity in the lake of fire. That's the payment for our sin. That's what we deserve. But mercy is not getting what we deserve. And because of God's grace in salvation, because God offers us salvation freely, when we receive God's grace, we also understand God's mercy because now, instead of getting what we deserve, now we don't get what we deserve. Now, because we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior and we put our faith and trust in Him because of God's grace, now we are saved from hell. We are saved from that eternal uh, destiny in the lake of fire. Now we can know that we'll be at the Lord Jesus Christ for all of eternity. That's what the mercy of God does. It comes from His love. Living with no regrets doesn't mean that we'll never mess up doesn't mean we'll never make a mistake but here's when we think about the mercy of God and having no regrets it means you don't have to live in your past mistakes so many Christians live in past mistakes We just live in the past and the mistakes that we've made. But friend, can I tell you this morning, you don't have to live in the past mistakes. 
How often does the devil or even our own flesh try and bring up all of the past mistakes we've ever made? You feel like a failure. Like you're worthless. God doesn't care. You ever felt like that? I know I have. It's worthless. Unworthy. God doesn't want to use you. God doesn't care about you. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold on. I didn't do anything to earn salvation. He offered it freely through his grace. And through his grace, not only am I able to know Christ as my Savior and have eternal life, but he also says there is mercy as well. That I am not going to receive what I deserve. Now, friend, let me tell you something. If God wants to offer his mercy to you and have you not receive what you justly deserve, do you really think he wants you to live in your past mistakes? You really think he wants you to always be thinking about how you failed and all the failures and the mistakes and everything that you did? Yeah, we remember those things. Can I tell you something? God doesn't. When we go to God and we say to God, God, I blew it. I messed up. You know what God says? It's forgiven. It's done. I don't remember that anymore. It's not God that remembers those things. It's us. We remember those things. And the devil remembers those things. And he, and he tries to bring them up, but yet we serve a merciful God. You don't have to live in the past of our mistakes. When we mess up, we can go to God and admit our mistakes and, and ask for forgiveness, and he forgives because he is a merciful God. In Hebrews chapter 8 and verse number 12, he says, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. The psalmist tells us in, in, the, in the book of Psalms, he says, He has cast our sins as far as the east is from the west. You understand, that's what God does with our sin. He doesn't remember it anymore. And Paul was able to say, look, I know I messed up. I know I've made mistakes. I know there were times that I didn't do exactly what God wanted me to do. But I know the mercy of God. And I know when I told God I messed up and I blew it, he forgave me. And it's no longer there. I don't have to continue living in those past mistakes. I can live now in the present what God wants me to do today. We live in the past. We live through our past mistakes. And that's not what God wants. In Lamentations 3 and verse 22 and 23, he said, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Aren't you glad that the mercy of God is new every morning? It's new every morning. It's a, it says he's, it is of the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed. Why? He's not going to give us what we justly deserve because we've received the grace that he has for us. Well, can I tell you something? Just as we've received mercy and salvation, can I say we need the mercy of God in our life as well. We need to remember day after day the mercy of God. How good God has been to us. How merciful he has been. Because here's what I think what happens so many times. And Paul is reminding Timothy, hey, don't forget about God's grace, but also don't forget about his mercy. Don't forget about his mercy. I don't, I don't, know, what, I don't know what happened in Timothy's life. We're, we're not told what happened. 
We're not told all of it. We're not told everything what happened in Paul's life. But I know, as we understand, Paul and Timothy, they, they made mistakes. They knew they did. But Paul says, Timothy, don't forget about the mercy of God. Don't forget how good God has been. And when you start thinking about quitting, when you start thinking about complaining, when you start thinking about trying to find a way out, remember the mercy of God. When you start thinking, man, this just serving God is just difficult, think about God's mercy where you could be going. Well, I just don't understand why I have to go through this thing. Man, it's just so difficult and it's so hard. Hey, God says he's going to give you the grace that you need. Remember his mercy. We do not receive what we deserve if we're God's children. Because of knowing Christ, we don't ever have to worry about death anymore. We don't ever have to worry about where we're going to go because we know we're going to be with the Lord Jesus Christ for all of eternity. Can I ask you a question? If that's what Jesus Christ has done for you, why would we want to do anything else but serve him? Now think about that for a moment. When we think about what Jesus Christ has done for us, the grace that he offers, the mercy that he provides, why would we want to do anything but serve him? There's nothing greater that you and I can do than to serve him. And this is what Paul is telling Timothy. Hey, you want to be able to live with no regrets? You want to be able to say at the end of your life, I've, li- I've served God with a pure conscience? You need the grace of God. You need mercy. And by the way, may I say that because we receive grace and mercy, we ought to show grace and mercy to others as well. We ought to be willing to show grace to others. We ought to be willing to show mercy. Look, we're not all we think we are. I know we really think we're something, but we're not. We're just sinners saved by grace. And we need to show the grace and mercy to others. But I want you to notice the last thing he says. Grace, mercy, and peace. What is peace? Is peace the absence of conflict? No. It's not the absence of conflict. Peace is the freedom from worry. It's freedom from worry. It comes from the power of God and God alone. It is only God who can put down all of our fears. You think Paul needed peace at this time in his life? He's about to be beheaded. You don't think he needed that peace in his life? I think he did. I think he had it. I mean, think about it. He's using his last moments to write a letter to his son in the faith, trying to encourage him to continue and and keep serving God. I think Paul had peace. He said, Paul, he said, Timothy, I know who I am. I know what God's called me to do, and I know where I'm going. I'm I'm not upset about this. Sure, do I wish I had more time to serve God? Yeah, absolutely. But you read in Philippians, he says, man, there is a strait betwixt me to depart, which is better for me, but to remain here, which is better for you. He said, man, sure, I'd love to die and go and be with heaven, but hey, I know God's plan isn't done with me yet, so I just want to keep on serving him until he says it's done. There was a peace that Paul had. We worry about everything. Don't we? Isn't that why we don't serve him? We're worried about our finances. Well, I'm not sure if I could do that because I'm not sure how it's all going to work out financially. 
We worry about our health. We worry about our kids. We worry about our friends. We worry about tomorrow. We worry about yesterday. It's already even passed. We're worried if there's going to be a 20-minute line at the restaurant in a few minutes. We worry about everything. Wait, do you understand? God says, I don't want you to worry. I don't want you worried. God doesn't want you to worry. He wants, you to, he wants to give you the freedom from worry. But that only comes from him. Can you imagine? I mean, honestly, put yourself in Paul's position. You know your time is up. You know you're about to be beheaded. Are you really going to take that last time to be able to write a letter and say, Hey, Timothy, I just want to encourage you. Be faithful. Keep preaching. Or are we going to be writing all kinds of letters to lawyers and people? and Hey, help me. Try to get me out of here. Write to this representative. Write to this senator. Write to this person. Write to this judge. Write to this lawyer. Write. I mean, we're going to pull every favor we can to try to get out of the situation we're in. We, we worry so much. God says, I don't want you to worry. No doubt, Timothy was worried about what was going to happen. Timothy, the pastor in Ephesus, no doubt there were difficult things going on. And no doubt Paul says, hey, Timothy, I know you're worried about some things, but hey, let me tell you something. You don't have to worry. Friend, do you understand what we're doing when we worry? We are telling God, you do not know what's happening. We are worrying. We're saying, God, you you have totally missed this. Because it's not going the way I thought it should go. And so now I'm going to have to try to figure it out. And so God, you don't know what's happening. You've messed up. You have made a giant mistake here. And so I'm going to have to figure it out. Wait a minute. God's already got it figured out. God already knows what's going on. He's God. Paul says, Timothy, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something that you need. You need the peace of God. In Philippians 4, 7, Paul writing to the church of Philippi says, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. He says, you need the peace of God. You understand that God is called the God of peace? He's called the God of peace. And yet we go through life worried about what's going to happen, fretting, Instead of just giving ourselves to serve him. In Colossians 3.15, he said, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. In John 14.27, Jesus said, peace, I leave with you. My peace. Let me ask you something. Was there ever a time when Jesus was worried? Silly question, right? Was there ever a time when Jesus was like, boy, I just don't know what's going to happen. I'm not sure. I mean, I don't know. If I step out on this water, I don't know if it's going to hold me. You know, I'm going to try to walk across this lake, but I'm not sure. When he took those five loaves and two fish, and he's like, Lord, I'm asking you, I'm going to, you know, I'm not sure if you're going to do this, God, but I really hope you do. Was there ever a time that Jesus was worried about anything? No. He said, my peace I leave with you. Not the world's peace. My peace, he says. A peace that 
is constant, a peace that is free from worry, free from fear. There is a constant understanding that he is in control. He says, my peace I give unto you. And then this is what he says. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You don't think God knows that we struggle with worry? Sure he does. He knows we struggle with worry. He says, let me help you with that. Let me give you my peace. My peace. That only comes from God. So that you don't have to worry. You don't have to fret. All you have to do is trust. Just trust me. I'm in control. I know what's best. Paul tells to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord, whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience. To be able to stand at the end of your life and say, you know what? I have no regrets. Oh, I've, I've messed up a few times. And I've failed, there's no doubt about it. But I have the grace of God. The strength that he gives to be able to do what he wants me to do in my life. And I've experienced his mercy, and his mercy constantly reminds me that I'm not going to get what I justly deserve. Because of his mercy, I just want to serve him the rest of my life. And peace, oh, You want to talk about peace, a peace that passes all understanding, a peace that only comes from him. When the world is falling apart and everything seems to be in chaos, I don't have to worry. I don't have to be afraid to follow his plan. I don't have to be afraid to step out in faith and do what he wants me to do. Why? Because he gives me peace that only he can give. And when I live in the grace and the mercy and the peace of God, at the end of my life, to be able to look back and say, I've lived my life serving God in a pure conscience. No regrets. No regrets. I've done exactly what God wants me to do. Only because of his grace, his mercy, and his peace. I wonder with their heads bowed and their eyes closed this morning, Every head bowed, every eye closed. Friend, maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Maybe you thought you could try to please God by being in church or getting baptized or being good or something like that. Friend, those those things don't work. There's only one way, and that's through the grace of God, the unmerited favor. God is offering salvation to you freely. You have to choose whether you will receive it or not. Maybe there's somebody here this morning. You say, Pastor, I'm not sure if I'm saved. Pastor, I'm not sure if I died today where I would go I'm just not sure but I would sure like to know how I can be saved 
I would love to know how I can know for sure that my sins are forgiven and that when I die, I'll be in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Nobody's looking about this morning. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. You say, Pastor, that's me. I'm not sure if I'm saved. Friend, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. But I would like to pray for you this morning. And if that's you, you say, Pastor, that's me. I'm not sure if I'm saved. Would you just slip your hand up and put it right back down? Just slip it up and put it right back down. Nobody else is looking about, just me. Say, Pastor, I'm not sure if I'm saved. Anyone this morning, just slip it up, put it right back down. Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm not sure if I'm saved. But I'd like to know how to be saved. And Christian, can I ask you this morning, are we living our life for the Lord Jesus Christ with no regrets? Oh, I'm not saying we're not going to mess up. I'm not saying you have to be perfect. No, friend, I'm the first one to stand here to say I'm not perfect. And I have made mistake after mistake. When my life is done, I want to be able to stand and say I have no regrets in serving God. I'm not, looking, I'm not trying to find a way out. I'm not looking for an escape. I just want to be used by God in whatever God has for my life. I want to live for Him with no regrets. Christian, is that what God may be speaking to your heart about this morning? How many times we, we worry and we fear and we fret and Things get hard, and we just, we just look for a way out, and we want to quit. No, that's not what he wants for us. He wants us to live in his grace, in his mercy, in his peace. Father, I pray you'd work in our hearts this morning as only you can. We would desire to live in that way, just like Paul was encouraging Timothy, with no regrets. Father, help us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Their heads bowed and our eyes closed. We're just going to stand quietly. The piano is going to begin playing softly. Friend, if God spoke to your heart this morning, maybe God's saying, hey, it's time to live in a way with no regrets. It's time to live in the grace and peace and mercy of God. Is there something you're holding back? Well, I can't serve God because of, wait a minute, friend, he knows, he knows what's best. Well, I'm worried about this. Will you just trust him? Well, I don't know how this is going to work out. You don't have to. His grace is sufficient. does God want for your life? And are you willing to step out in faith and say, yes, Lord, I'll do that. I'll do it. I'm not going to be looking for ways out. I'm not going to quit when it gets tough. God, with your grace, your mercy, and your peace, I'm going to live my life for you.
Father, we thank you for your word. And God, I pray that you would just help us, Lord, to truly desire to live in a way that is honoring and pleasing to you. Lord, we know we're going we're gonna to make mistakes. Lord, we know we're going to fail. We're going to fall. And, and Lord, we're going to beat ourselves up about it. But Father, I pray you'd help us remember that you're not beating us up about it. We come to you and we can seek forgiveness and you make it right and you forgive us and you want us to keep going. You want us to keep serving. Lord, help us not just to look for the easy way or a way out when things get tough, but Lord, help us with your grace and your mercy and your peace to live in a way that honors you. Lord, to the end of our life, we can look back and say, I have no regrets in serving God. No regrets. Father, would you help us in this? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.